With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratycast. Delighted again to be joined by Mike. I hope you you listened to the interview we did this week with Ben Tarnley. I obviously hope you enjoyed it. But any feedback, make sure you get in touch with the Twitter account at Stratycast or even by email, dale at stratynews.com. So, Mike, hopefully a podcast full of positivity. Manchester United won 9-0. The first time since the year I was born, 1995. And they did so against Ipswich. So they, they equaled their own record, Mike. 1995. You're practically a toddler, aren't you? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I I kind of felt like once it went past five, I started... I really didn't enjoy watching that at all, really. And I, I thought the... You didn't enjoy watching a 9-0 win? No, not, not, not the way it went down. No, no, not really. Um... Especially, I mean, the second red card that he handed out, could Mike Dean just not have showed a bit of common sense and humility and humanity and just given him a yellow, which I think most normal people would have done. But obviously, because Mike Dean had to somehow interject himself into the headlines, that happened. Performance is very good, but it's very hard to judge how good we were when Southampton had a man sent off after 79 seconds for an absolutely insane foul. I have no idea what that kid was doing. Making his Premier League debut, and that's what he does in the first two minutes. Like, we've seen, we've seen, we see bad tackles every week, but that's one of those tackles that you look back on, and fortunately, we won't be looking back on thinking that McTominich broke his leg. He was very, very lucky to come out of it with just a scratch. He, he went in, what was his studs doing that high? And then with that intent... On your Premier League debut, fucking what way to make an entrance? Yeah, I have no, I have no issue with, uh, especially a young player making a, you know, his first start for a club, you know, putting down a marker on an opposition player. You know, I'd, I'd encourage that. You know, putting in a strong tackle on someone, that's that's fine. But I don't know why he did what he did. He was just so over the top. And Scott McTominay was very lucky, really. I mean, that really would have been bad luck. You know, a few days after he 
has to exit the pitch having diarrhea, <laughs> gets his leg broken <laughs> when he starts the game again. Yeah, he had fire uh, in his belly last night, Mike. Uh, he said, yes, he certainly did, but thankfully the right kind of fire in his belly, and not one where he may be eating a dodgy vindaloo. <laughs> so it was, it was insane. I couldn't believe it. I still think the second red card was... was a bit harsh. I mean, it wasn't an insane decision like the David Luiz red card. But poor David Luiz didn't even touch the guy. The guy trips over his own feet. And the referee decides, oh, I'm going to send him off and give a penalty. Um, so it wasn't quite that bad, but it was a bit excessive. And I don't know. I, I find it very hard to see when you see something like that to enjoy it because it does feel like watching somebody beat up a blind man with no legs. I would argue that it's great to see Manchester United show that kind of you know, that streak in them that even when a team is down and even after the ninth goal, you've seen Scott McTominay screaming at Daniel James to grab the ball and go try get another one, even though there's only seconds left in the clock. So a 9-0 embarrassment for Southampton, but United smelled blood and, and they kept going. I think you have to acknowledge that. Yeah, I, I do understand that. It's just, listen, they're, they're looking at it from the point of view of, of, of competitors and, and trying to get themselves back on track after a few ropey performances. I'm just saying I just didn't take much pleasure in watching things from about an hour in. Hmm. So with, with Anthony Martial then, Mike, because we spoke about him last week on the show and I think he was everyone's main topic of conversation if you looked at social media and gathering what Manchester United fans were talking about. He's gone through a dry spell of scoring goals but he came off the bench last night and scored two and had an assist as well to his name. Martial's a player, Mike, that you know we've seen in the past. He scores in bursts and he can go on a quick run and, and hopefully that's what he's going to go on now. A long run, maybe. Between now and the end of the season, this is his chance to stake his claim. Yeah, it is. Again, very, very difficult to judge on the basis of that he scored his goals coming on when the team's already yeah. 4-0 up and the other team's down to 10 men. It's very, very difficult to make, to make a real judgment on whether this is the beginning of a, of a good run for him. I, I, I would issue caution to anyone who wants to get overly enthusiastic about that. Just so okay on that then, Fabiola, who writes for Strati News, she asks, has this game finally settled the debate that United have progressed under Solskjaer? What I'm getting then, that's a no from you. No, it was it's one game in isolation against the team. Had a team, a player sent off after. Uh, 79 seconds and then ended up conceding another I think three goals when the second play was sent off so let's let's steady on here folks um, if you want to talk about whether we've progressed how about taking a longer view and have a look where we were when he came in and have a look where we are now and I suppose you say yes he, we, we have uh, but there's still many many hurdles to overcome so again I would issue caution about this let's not be getting too overexcited because we've been here before though we think things are getting better and then we get a few bad results and you know in key games and then things start to go off the boil again so i would issue caution i would urge caution to everybody yeah i'm, I'm under no no doubt that this this team has progressed but it's not it hasn't progressed to the point that we can be overjoyed um and expecting a premier league title it's still a working process. It's it, it, it's still something Solskjaer has to has to really get to the bottom of wh whether he can take this team to the next step or not. And we probably we may, we might see that between now and the end of the season because not long ago, Mike, we were all talking about sitting on top. And we were urging caution as well at that point. 
Um, but we don't want to slip away. We, we we don't want this to be another one of those seasons where Manchester United are, are, are fighting come the end of the season for a fourth spot. We did that last season. It had unnecessary drama come to the last game and and looking at results elsewhere and stuff. I don't want to be in that situation. This team has shown its progress up to this point, absolutely. It needs to go on and prove that it really has gone that step further than last season. Yeah, I would, I would, I, yeah what I would say was, you know, let's not be having an, another good half season because it seems like that's where United have been, where we've had good chunks of a season, a good third or a good half, but not actually putting a good, consistent season together and building towards a good finish, which is how you win titles. But I would say this is going to be United's best chance of in probably the next three years or so to go and win a league title, unless they drastically manage to overhaul the squad in the areas that they have to in the next 12 months. I suppose one area I think that we can talk about United, Solskjaer and progress is games, looking at a game over a course in 90 minutes. Since Ferguson's retired, for the most part, what you've said about we've had half seasons, that pretty much epitomises several spells under different managers because we very rarely seen a game where United would dominate for 90 minutes. Um, under Van Gaal, we would have halves, we'd have spells, uh, 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 good I think, spells I think that was games. the closest we'd, we'd got to looking like a team that was going to dominate over 90 minutes was, was probably when Van Gaal was there. And obviously we had a lot of games that were absolutely dire, but I felt that was the closest we came. Do you not think right now it's the closest that we've got? I mean, I'm not including right now, obviously, but I'm, 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 I'm saying up to this season, well, not this season, um, the last 12 months, uh, that was the closest that we'd come. And I include yeah. Mourinho in that, actually, as well. But yeah. I'm talking about in big games where we'd... Like Liverpool, I think Liverpool at Anfield. That was the best I've ever seen us play at Anfield. Was that yeah. was that two-one win where we won there? We should have won that game about four-one. I remember us beating City four-two in a derby. Um, I actually think in the first game that we lost earlier in the se- that same season was only lost because of poor refereeing from Michael Oliver. Is what cost us that game because up until we had a man sent off, uh, we we were well on top there. We were unlucky not to beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge that season. Again, we lost 1-0. We, we could have quite easily won that game comfortably. This is probably, right now, is the closest we've come. But there's still a ways to go. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There is a way to go. And I think if, if, if you want to take one thing from that game yesterday, that is something I would take. Although you, you can only play what's in front of you. You can talk about the sending off and, and so on. But this team, from, from the first minute to the last minute yesterday, dominated. And yeah, circumstances might have helped that, but the fact of the matter is, you can only play who's who's ahead of you. This team is in a strong league position, um, and it's showing signs that it, it it can blow teams away. It has done this season. There's been games this season where we've looked really, really good. Um, I don't think looking back at previous managers that we've had since Ferguson that you'll get as many United fans saying they're happy with the, the style of football when it when it works, right? Because even when it worked under Van Gaal, there was still a bit of... Mm. Some people weren't really turned off their seat. People weren't getting off their seat, okay, under Van Gaal. And United fans didn't enjoy that. I liked Van Gaal. It didn't work out. But the football was boring compared to what, what it is now. They certainly don't look bored now. And there was times last night where Harry Maguire looked like more of a an attacking midfielder in the position that he held on the pitch throughout. And... It, 
they enjoyed themselves. There wasn't many times under Van Gaal where the players enjoyed themselves. And I could say the same thing under Jose Mourinho, where a lot of players were held back from doing the duties that made them players that brought them to Manchester United. That's the thing. You, you saw, you, we signed so many players and the, then the managers will come in and, and, and take away what they were gifted at. So a lot of players that went missing at United might, fans might look back at negatively and say they were crap because they were but a lot of that is down to not being used properly and it, there's probably an argument there somewhere for Paul Pogba and that's what the next question goes from, goes to Mandy. Does last night's performance, Mike, does it raise a question that United's fluidity is homestrong on Pogba? He didn't play. He got rested last night, but but they cope. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think a difference maker for United, rather than Pogba not playing, was Cavani was playing. That's the difference maker, I think, in how, how United were able to approach the game. Had he stayed on longer in the second half, I think Cavani probably would have got a hat-trick in that game. That's the difference maker. That's what United make more fluid because you have a focal point for the attack. Someone who is intelligent, is always in dangerous areas. He's always putting himself into positions where he can receive the ball in a dangerous place. And he's also very good in front of goal. Um, and he also gives people like Luke Shaw, for instance, who was absolutely outstanding again. I think there's an argument to be made to say that Luke Shaw may be United's best player this season so far because of his all-round contributions to the team. His crossing is excellent, and it gives someone for him to aim at actually getting in the box. And it, I mean, that's the difference maker rather than Paul Pogba as Edison Cavani playing. And I echo what Robbie Savage said on BT Sport and a cold commentary yesterday. He should be playing every game. Edison mm-hmm. Cavani should always be starting for Manchester United. Yeah, I, I, I've said it a number of times in the blog the past week that it still baffles me that he didn't start against Sheffield. That that, that annoys me. Because thinking back to that result, it's going to take a while to get over that one. Although last night last night was a good medicine for it. Next question from Damien Young in from the Facebook page. If we remain in the mix for trophies going into March, shouldn't Oli reduce the squad rotation and stick with our best squad lineup every week? Um, that's kind of what you just touched on, Michael Cavani. Do you agree with all this rotation? Do you think you should quieten down a small bit on it? Okay, Damien, if you can tell me what United's best, definitive best first 11 is, um, I'd like to hear it because I'm not sure what it is. I don't think anyone else is sure either. I don't even know if Ole knows, to be honest, such is the situation at the moment with the players in his squad. So we can have an idea of probably the, I'd say maybe six or seven players that would always, that should always play. That's your core of your team and then you try and build around that, right? I think that's that's where we are. So, Certainly in the league, yes, for sure. Uh, the Europa League, uh, it's just you know, neither here nor there really right now. But I don't think that should be at the forefront of our minds with the amount of games that we'd have to play between now and the end of the season. But for the league, yeah, you should put out probably seven players that should be in every in the team for every league game that they're fit and available for between now and the end of the season, and probably the cup game, the FA Cup games as well. Who is on your list of definite starters then? Because then that, that brings us to the, the the topic of of what we want from this team next season. If we have seven players that, or whatever you want to name um, cemented in the team, doesn't that make it easier to pinpoint what we need in the summer? Not necessarily, because some of those names are because there is no other option in that position. Okay. <laughs> so, obviously, Aaron Wan-Bissaka makes the team. 
every week because there isn't really another option in that role. There isn't. People talk about Brandon Williams, but no one's actually seen him play right back at senior level. We've not really seen him in the team for God knows how long, so I don't know what's going on there with him. Um, Harry Maguire, again, not wholly convincing, but there isn't a better option there. Um, probably Lindelof, just because they, they've played together for so many games, so they have a decent understanding, reads the game quite well. Again, lack of options means there's very there isn't anything else that we can do. Luke Shaw, so pretty much that back four picks itself, the back four that we've seen for most of the games. Uh, but Luke Shaw would certainly be in there. And then I would say Scott McTominay would be in. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes has got to be in there. Edinson Cavani would be in there. So that's, uh, what, six players. And then I think you would be looking at... Could um, have Marcus Rashford in there. Yeah, I think Rashford just about, yeah. Yeah, and then the rest you can kind of shift around, really. Yeah. Although there's a couple of guys knocking on the door. I think Fred's been knocking on the door this season and he's played a lot of games and has earned that game time. Those those are the players. So that's, that is seven there that I've mentioned. There's seven yeah. dead starters in the back form at Tomine, Bruno, um, Rashford and Cavani. Those would be the seven that we'll get in every game. Yeah, I, I think they need to make more use of Cavani. You know, even in games that we've seen this season that he hasn't scored in, he's still offered an awful lot. His, his runs, the space that he makes up front, he's that aggressive a present, presence as well. So defenders know they're not going to get an easy ride away. Clearly, clearly fitness isn't an issue for him. Uh, no. Him play. He's clearly got no issues with fitness. He's a great nick. Obviously, he had a bit of a rough season last season with injuries, but I think a lot of him not playing for PSG was political reasons as well uh, not just fitness issue i also think he he's setting a great example for the the younger forwards at the club for for rashford for for martial um in what's expected of a typical number nine you know those those, those darting runs and and hounding strikers well, I'm, I'm, think... I'm not i'm not saying that i've seen martial and um, take that influence yet but but you're, you're you're silly if you think that martial is not looking at him in training and thinking all... well Sorry, I think also, I think in this day and age with the advancements in fitness and nutrition, how old is Cavani? Is he 33? Yeah. 33. So 33 isn't like a... That's not really a one-year and done deal as it would have been maybe 10 years ago signing someone who's 33. If the player's fit enough and they're mentally sharp enough and they've got the hunger to do it and they haven't lost their technique, they can keep playing. Obviously, people talking about Zlatan, but you look at Robert Lewandowski, who's about the same age... He's having a phenomenal season at Bayern. Bayern haven't been that great this season, but because of him, they're top of the league and they're in the knockout stage of the Champions League. Um, you look at Jamie Vardy, he's as good as ever. He, Jamie Vardy's gotten better the older he's got, if anything. He seems to have mm. gotten smarter in how he's operating in his game. So it's not just, I don't think this is a one year and done deal. I'd like to see more of Cavani this season because I think if he plays, you know, Dale, I think if he plays every week, he'll be well into double figures by the end of the season. I've seen enough of him to see that. It's just that Nels and know how to score goals, and he his presence is felt when you're watching watching games. You know, it looks like they have it. They have a, a centerpiece. Whereas when he doesn't play, it doesn't look like we have that centerpiece. I mean, you've seen last night some great crossing from Luke Shaw and some great wing play with Greenwood and so on. But I think unless you have someone like him in the box, when it comes to crossing. Nine times out of ten, you're pissing in the wind. 
because you haven't got some, you haven't got that hungry centre forward in there to put into the back of the net. He's Vanny also a is all, he's, yeah, he's a warrior. He's always lurking. Well. Another question in from Jamie Buckton: What obstacles do we need to hurdle in order to achieve the next step in progression? Where do we need to strengthen? Where do we need to sell? And where do we need to make any tactical changes in order to complete in all fronts? That that's is it's a huge question because there's a lot that Soldier needs to do and neither of us are, are qualified to, to to pinpoint exactly what he needs to do. But I suppose to start, Mike, looking at the team, you mentioned some of the, the, the starting players that are in, should be in the team every week. Where for you is, is a key area that needs strength? And I know we've spoken previously about the need for a holding midfielder I want the right winger, but where for you jumps out as the the main place? Uh, we need a centre half, definitely. We need a real quality centre half of pace. I think we need another option at right back and a holding midfielder. Those would be my immediate priorities. Immediate priorities. Right winger falls at priority number four for me in terms of if you're signing players, a centre half, uh, a midfield destroyer, and another right back option to come in maybe somebody's a bit more attacking. It could necessarily, you could just be signing someone to literally just give Aaron Basaka a kick up the arse that he needs to make sure that he doesn't drop his standards. Because I think his standards have dropped a little bit this year. But I think that's, you know, maybe a relative inexperience at this level is, is why that has happened in his competition. And then when you get through all that, you get to a right winger. I, I can understand with the right winger thing what you're getting at, though, because it's becoming increasingly clear that Jaden Sancho is going to be available this summer and actually may be available for less money than Dortmund were asking for him the last time round because Dortmund are not in a great situation right now. They're battling to even get into the Champions League this season and they will need to sell somebody and the two big uh, money raises for them would be Haaland and Sancho. And I don't it, see them selling Haaland right now. So <laughs> oh, I, 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 I can understand from that perspective that one of a target suddenly may be coming up for availability this summer. Yeah, no, definitely. Because if one of them are available this summer, as you say, you'd expect Manchester United to be sniffing around. Um, I don't see Haaland being available this summer, but I think Sancho may well be. Yeah, well, look, it's it's something that I think is desperately needed because I look at that ta- attack, I think it's very imbalanced. I know what you're saying about Wan Bissaka, but I wouldn't have it up a right back up that high in a priority list because we're fortunate with him as an option that he is very rarely injured. Um, he's a young player and he's getting better. I do, I do agree that competition is needed, and I think Socha will go down that route because he's seen the benefit it's brought to the left-hand side when he you consider to, how Shaw... He needs to learn how to cross a ball into the box, to be quite blunt, Dale. He never crosses a ball, he very rarely crosses a ball into the box, he's always hesitating, he struggles to make good decisions when he gets into the opposition through of the field and the game is as it is now your full-backs need to be providing width going forward He's got the athletic attributes to do that, to get up and down that field. But he needs to improve that part of his game because right now he looks like a a really good right-back from 1995, not a good right-back in 2021, which is what I've always been saying about him. We're really going back to 1995 on this podcast, Mike. Uh, From the throwback to the 9-0 against Ipswich, my birth. And now Arwan Bissaka when he will be best suited as a footballer. Yeah. But no, I, I, could I, I, just, could I sorry, could I just say something else in terms of obstacles? I think we're maybe looking a bit far ahead in terms of looking at players. Let's have a look how we can come, 
overcome obstacles <coughs> excuse me this season with the players that we have now yeah. what do we need to do this season we need to start winning big games this season that's a thing that United haven't been doing and they need to do it whether that's a big league game against one of these big six teams or you know you're going out there and winning a cup semi-final getting over the line and getting into a final that's United's immediate target this that that should be that obstacle number one you now need to get over that psychological issue that they have in these big games because there is clearly an issue there that they're struggling to get over the line at the business end of a competition or in big matches. So that, that is the immediate priority. Forget about who we're going to sign next season, what positions we need to strengthen. When you're talking about obstacles to overcome. That is number one. You know, they have to get this monkey off their back. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's something that I mentioned for the Liverpool game as well that it was that next hurdle. It was the, you know, we've we've shown, <coughs> excuse me, we've shown in bursts of form that we can go on winning runs, but then we haven't had anything to show for it at the end of that run because we've slipped up with a semi final or whatever, and that is the next step. Just one more thing I wanted to touch on because we 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 have mentioned that we we want to hold midfielder in the summer. It's it's an area of the team I think would we really benefit if we strengthen them by getting one. Um, but I look at the need for a centre-back as well. There's a need for two of those players, but I do believe that if they got in a really good midfielder, it would make a hell of a difference. Yeah, I think there is there is an argument for that to be said, sure. But you can't change the, the fact that all of our centre-halves are at best upper-mid-table centre-halves. They're not, they're not elite centre-halves, Dale, and that's it, a problem. It, it, it's just that the teams we're competing against, the Liverpools and the Cities, when they're, when they're fully fit squads, and they have that holding the feeling presence inside. We don't, they also have first-class centre-halves. Ruben Diaz. Do they? You watch Ruben Diaz this season? I can't believe... How did we... They paid about £60 million for him. How did they find him for £60 million and we ended up paying £20 million more for Harry Maguire? Kind of baffled by that. But but in fairness, City have spent loads of money on, on centre backs in the last ten fifteen years, and they have very few of them have have done well. So they they just thrown endless money at a situation, and it's taken I mean, so years. So weeks to be fair, Dale. That, that's the problem. Bad players at this team, but you would say City's probably hit rate of finding good centre halves has been better than us. I mean, they have Vincent Company for however many years at the club. Yeah, I think John Stones, all right, been very very stop start, but I think he's picking up for him. I still think, all right, he's been out of the team, but I've seen enough of Laporte in his career. He's a class act. So some bad injuries. And Ruben Diaz looks the best of the lot that they've probably bought since company first came in. They, um, you... But, of course, yeah, they do have a top-class, two top-class holding midfielders. The Fernandinho still offers something even at 36. And, obviously, Rodri's a very, very good player as well. And it's probably actually overlooked how good Gundogan is as a deep-line midfield player. I think he's been one of the best players in the Premier League this season. But Fernandinho, for instance, okay, that's 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 the mould of player that I'm talking about. And if 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 you just take a player of that mould out of one of those teams, Liverpool have one too. Then it totally changes things. If Liverpool had their best defence and they didn't have their best midfield, they would put just way way more pressure on that defence, and that defence will be making the same mistakes that I think we see every week. Yeah. To be honest. But we. we... Why can't we buy both? That's what I don't understand. Oh, yeah, Should no, we look no at yeah. Both as a top yeah. priority? Oh, well, I, 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 I think one, definitely. One thing I'd like, can I throw out a name in terms of holding midfield? Declan Rice is someone's name that's been banded about between Chelsea and Manchester United a lot. 
I think Leeds United have a much better version of that player in Calvin Phillips. I don't know what you think, but I think he's a far better footballer. Is it, is it Calvin Phillips be... or, or Ben Phillips? No, Phil, Calvin Phillips. They're holding him field player. Okay. Um, he could also fill in as a centre half and a back three. I if you if you were looking at homegrown option, and obviously that's something that has to be considered now. We was stupidly decided to repeatedly shoot ourselves in the foot by leaving the European Union. Then he would be the primary option. People talking about Declan Rice. Tough, we've got a lack of pace at the back, so you're going to have a midfielder that can't run either. Got yeah. already got the Manu Massage there. What do you want another one for? Mm-hmm. Calvin Phillips is a much better player than Declan Rice, and I also argue he's been working under a much better coach and has probably learned a hell of a lot more about how to play the game. And playing the game that is probably required at his at an elite level in his position, right? In terms of playing at the requisite intensity and moving the ball at pace. Um, obviously, Bayels has a lot of flaws in terms of that he's such a he's such an iconoclast and so dogmatic in the way that he sees the game. But it, it, undoubtedly, the way that he... Uh, coaches and his methods have provided the template for how the game has been played at the top level for the last 10 years. So someone like Calvin Phillips, with obviously Wilfred and Didi is someone else that we've talked about. It could be someone a little bit older. If, someone, if, if there's someone really good who's a little bit older that's available for less money but can do the job for like three, four years, I think that should be looked at as well. But I, I would have said Calvin Phillips and Wilfred and Didi are the two, the two guys that you know should be identifying as someone that are going to fill a hole in that position. I just want someone to come in to dictate the tempo of the game. So I think someone that has mobility and a bit of pace and can, and, and can keep the, the midfield in order. Um, but also the, the eye for that key pass because that's what Solskjaer, I think, wants in his centre-backs. He wants centre-backs to play out from the back and to almost spot those runs from the very early stage of transition. Now, if he has one of them in a hold the midfielder, I think it gives you more options and makes you a much more potent side. Um, players like Rashford and the players like, say, Martial, they initially benefited from having Bruno Fernandes in the team. But if they had someone even sitting deeper, being able to, to play those balls, um, like I said, it would be a lot more potent. It means you can leave, you can leave the more attack-minded players higher up the pitch at all times, you can leave the full-backs a little bit higher because you know you've got that person there who's going to get on the ball and move it quickly. It's not always about finding a killer pass. Well, not a killer pass maybe as, as how a lot of people would think of it when they hear us say that, when they think it was a you know, quick, accurate ball over the top yeah, or a free yeah. ball through the middle. It could literally just be shifting the ball out to one of the full-backs or one of the attacking midfielders quickly that then sets off counter-attack that results in a goal that's 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 as much as a killer pass as anything and that's that's going to be I think you are correct and that's the difference that that will make that it would allow because I think United's big problem and we said, said this and this is why they're suffering big games they're not able to press high and be really compact as a unit which was something actually under Van Gaal we did well in big matches was going high and being really compact you know probably no more than about 35 yards of space between your striker and your, your, your centre-halves, even the goalkeeper getting a bit higher up as well. So it's almost, you know, your keeper almost acting as another outfield player to just sweep anything up. For people wondering why I mean, me and you bang on about why a holding midfielder is so important that United needs to get one in of real quality, that's why. 
Especially when you've got a guy like Scott McTominay, who I actually think is better suited in a shuttling box-to-box role yeah. rather than yeah. just someone sitting in and holding. Because Agreed. actually McTominay can be really effective winning the ball higher up the pitch in the way that I always remember that Darren Fletcher did when Ferguson used to deploy him in big matches. Partey, some used to do the same thing in big matches as well. And those players are enormously important to the team. So, and, and obviously McTominay, it's a real physical presence high up the pitch as well, getting into the faces of opposition players. So that's what a top-class holding midfielder is going to provide. It's a pity we didn't really show, show our hand for Thomas Partey in the summer because he would have been an ideal fit, I think, in, into that into that midfield. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so before we, we wrap it up, Mike, this weekend we're playing Everton. It's another difficult game. Um, I, I will, I will, I will tell you that I was, I was nervous going into the game against Southampton. I just thought that after recent results, that it was a would have been a tricky enough game, even though they had absentees. But this one, it might throw another few spanners in the works. But it's also a good opportunity for United to, you know, they they can't get complacent on, on this weekend. They know they know Everton are going to be up for it. Everton are currently eighth in the table. They're just sitting outside the Champions League places in terms of points. So they're right in the mix and they'll be up for an upset this weekend. Are you, uh, how are you feeling going into the game? I'm hesitant to say because whenever I say I'm feeling confident, we then go piss it up the wall. Uh, this is one that we could easily piss up the wall, by the way. Yes, it, yes, it is. Everton are obviously quite lacklustre at the weekend against Newcastle, so they might be really seeking to get back on track. But United need to be aiming literally to win every single game from now up until the Chelsea game at the end of the month, which now is a very different proposition from what it would have been before Frank Lampard got sacked. Because I think if we'd have gone in and faced Chelsea with Frank Lampard as manager, I'd have been very confident as of, of us winning that game, Dale. Doesn't Solskjaer have a good record against Lampard? Yeah, I also think Lampard tends to be a little bit naive... Um, I'm not saying he's a bad, you know, I still insisted that he needed more time, but Chelsea are not that kind of club and Thomas Tuchel was available, so they made the call. But it's it's it makes a very, very different game now, especially seeing as Tuchel in these couple of games he's been in has rehabilitated a couple of senior players like Aspilicueta, for instance, who I never understand why he got, I know Reese James is really good, but you tell me you couldn't find a role for someone as, as consistently good as Aspilicueta in that team. So it's a different proposition. United needs to be building momentum going into that game. And then we've got Manchester City the week after that. So those are two big games. United needs to be winning every single game between now and then. So if we've got to be in the same mindset we did against, say, in this game, in the game that we just had against Southampton, I always think back to the Leeds game. And I think back to the, 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 the games we've played against Everton this season where we've gone out and we've been aggressive early on. And, and, and disrupting the opposition and, and carving out opportunities by counter-attacking from within the opposition half. I think we can win the game, but we have to be we have to be aggressive. We can't be starting slowly and, and dropping back too deep. Yeah, absolutely. The, the approach going into games is key. And you see, you, but we've seen so many times, especially going into games, that we kind of feel we, we need to kind of rise it now for this one because it'll be a tricky game. That we just... It seems we're, 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 we're too soft at times. And last night against Southampton, that was a completely different story. United were like, kept going, smelled blood, kept scoring, looking for more. Now, th- this, this game will be tricky. 
But it'd, just, it'd be nice to see United come over this little bit of a hurdle again and to go on another win and run. And I, I think back to that 9-0 win last night and those forwards who we criticised not long ago and we all said they were, they, they were lacking in confidence. Well, that should really give them a boost and they should be looking forward to going out and playing. Pogba didn't, didn't play, didn't start last night. And I'm sure he would have been kicking himself on the bench wanting to be part of that. United winning 9-0. But, you know, it's a good chance for him to get some assists on the board, more goals. And he's going to be up for that game at the weekend. And I think his form of late shows that he's certainly playing with a bit of a spring in his step at the moment. Whether he believes that this team can can challenge. Um, look, certainly he wants to leave Man United with a Premier League medal in his pocket as opposed to leaving without one. So I think, I think going into the game we should be confident. That 9-0 win should give everyone a spring in their step. And it's, it's a very different feeling to what it was a week ago after after losing to, to Sheffield United. I think we needed a response. We didn't get one against Arsenal. Uh, and, and that was disappointing. Disappointing to draw away at Arsenal. But um, we're definitely in a, in, a, in a good position still. So, yeah, reasons to be positive. Definitely. Mike, before we wrap it up, is there anything you want to touch on before we play Everton? Any, uh, anything about Everton you want to get off your chest? No, not really. Absolutely nothing. I have nothing to say about Everton at all. <laughs> They're not as bad as the, the ones they share the city with. Other than that, we'll speak to you again next week. Come on, United. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.